This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed, and with me as always is Marit Larwood. Hello, listeners. Um, I'm afraid Daniel Ward, if you missed last week, is no longer doing this podcast. So if you'd like to send her any fan mail, uh, we, we shan't pass it on. She's gone to work for, was it Movie Muckups? Movie Muckups, her brand new uh, movie yeah. podcast. It's, it's doing really well, isn't it? Yeah. It's doing really well. Who is that voice? That is only the voice of David McNeil. Uh, girl company, I, I am in the uh, in the studio this week. It's <laughs> lovely to be back again. Thank you. For those people who don't know, um, do you want me to call you David or Dave? What's your stage name? What do you feel most comfortable with? Uh, more like a Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go with Roy. Roy. Okay. Uh, Dave McNeil, uh, previous uh, previous guest on the show, you brought in Wild Geese, I seem I to remember. Yes. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. No, I, I was actually, uh, I was thinking about Wild Geese the other day going, I love a getting a team together montage. Yeah. I bloody love it. And also you, you might, if you want to put a face to uh, Dave McNeil, he was the star of my film Fandango live film, Masters Evil. That's true. In which he played the uh, the protagonist in that. Um, He's a troublesome actor, I've heard. Always getting his hair cut. Yeah. He, he, yeah, you've got your hair cut the day off. What's your the side of this? Because Marek has banged on about it for weeks. I'm I'm very much method. Um, I'll explain the backstory, first of all. <laughs> I spent a day filming with Dave in the kitchen. And I said, when can we do the next scene? And he went, oh, I was my hair cut really short. But literally about five or six inches off it. You can tell in it as well, because my hair gets longer and shorter. And, and, that, was, that, was, and that was still five weeks later. Wow. I had to push all the crew back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very nearly bald. So, um... Well, I am bald. Takes a lot. I'm not, Beat that. I'm not making any sort of... It's a bald off. Well, Marek wins clearly, but... <laughs> We're not that clearly. <laughs> I've still got quite a bit of hair. Yeah, but if I wanted to... Oh, you could grow it back. Well, I, 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 I've gone for the short look. You've gone full Statham. Yeah. And I'm just sort of going for the monks thing in, at the back. Charlton. Yeah, and to be honest, that film did scare me. I didn't realise how bald I was getting at the back, and then it actually is like a proper bald spot. That is the only time I noticed how bald I was, because you never see the back of your head. No, no. No. Except that bit when when hairdressers, but you don't. I when hairdressers show you in the mirror, they always go, "Oh, that's really nice." But you don't do that. You, you <laughs> oh, don't they just to. show you your neck, though, don't they? They that's, just show you I haven't screwed up the the bottom bit. That's just a photo of someone else's. But they could do that <laughs> photo 
of someone else's back of someone else's head and you just go oh that's nice that's yeah, that's, that's fine things that's fine and you wouldn't know that you'd actually wouldn't something bad on the back of the head oh have I got a tan on my neck yeah you've got a tattoo <laughs> yeah, I've got some <laughs> wings tattooed on my neck you've got a tattoo of a blue Mr T <laughs> weird weird um, well we uh, quite excitingly all watched a piece of movie history this week didn't we uh, seeing as how this film is the first ever to be released across all media simultaneously I didn't realise it was on actual normal TV. So what yeah. media was it released on? It was released in cinemas, DVD, um, online um, on demand, as in you could pay to watch it online, uh, and television simultaneously on Film 4, who were uh, a production partner of it. It's Ben Wheatley's A Field in England, um, if you hadn't caught on already. Um, ben Wheatley, the director of Down Terrace, Kill List and Sightseers, that, uh, that we have talked about previously all great films all great films yeah all great films now this I think is his it's fair to say is his most art house film to date um it's sort of, it's psychedelic but what I, I love the idea it's black and white psyched, mm. psychedelia really which yeah. a kaleidoscope but without any colours um mm. what and uh, it's a bit back sort of it so it's filmed yeah. it was filmed in in 12 days and a budget of £300,000 and because what I think is great about this film before we go into talking about it is that because it's done in conjunction with Film 4 if you go on their website they've got loads of short films made by Gareth Tunley who's yes. brilliantly made a making of they've got about the cinema, if you're interested in cinematography they've got about what cameras they use what lenses they made their own lenses yeah. in it uh, and Gareth Tunley is um, he's in Kill List and Down Terrace as well so it's it, Ben Wheatley's got his kind of favoured people um, the plot of this film is basically uh, it's set during the um, English uh, Civil War and some uh, deserters basically cavaliers and roundheads push their way out of a battle through a hedge into a field and it's what happens afterwards. Basically, there's there is a hidden treasure and a, a man who uh, claims to have the powers to divine its location and all sorts. But they they eat some magic mushrooms and it goes a bit strange. Goes yeah, a bit of a drugs montage. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of it then, um, David, or should I call you Roy? Let's let's go with Roy. Okay, Roy. Um, yeah, I thought. We'd- loads of really nice bits in it and there's bits in it where you sort of think wow it's such an original idea or a mm. way of filming bits like for example when Reese uh, Shearsmith actually becomes the divining rod and he comes out of the tent and they talk, they play it in slow motion creepy and as it, and he's smiling hell. and he's, he's got this like, devilish look I mean, I think that shot specifically will stay with me you know, know, those kind of iconic moments in films where where they will last longer than your memory of what happened in it's the film. It's so creepy, because he comes out and they, they slow it right down, and he's got this smile on his face, but it, the, the, because it's slowed down, they play this sort of the music over it as well, but the shot goes on for, for about two or three minutes, yeah. I think, and it's you know all it is is him walking out of a tent. But, but it f- it's followed sort of three solid mil- minutes of him screaming in agony in a tent, it, and you don't yeah. know what's happening. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought artistically it is... Stunning. I mean, I thought visually it was great. Like, did you really? Yeah, I did. I thought there was real. There was an author behind it, as in shots lingered when he wanted them to linger, and fast cut when he wanted them. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't 
afraid to linger on a facial expression, which I think a lot of films are these days. I mean, it's it's an art house film. It isn't a thriller or a you know a, um, a heist movie or any of these things. You know, it is um, a weird piece. It's a weird little homegrown piece. Yeah. But I thought um, the cast we should probably mention is. Mm. Re- um, Ben Wheatley likes to cast from comedians almost exclusively. Yeah. Um, it's Reese Shearsmith, um, uh, Julian Barrett's in at the beginning. It's Michael Smiley, um, who many of you may know from Spaced. He was in Kill List as well and Down Terrace. Um, uh, Richard Glover. Richard Glover, who's a really nice He's man. He's excellent. He's in Sightseers. Yeah. He's um, a cyclist or bloke in Sightseers. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, it... it it's a film I'd want to watch again. I thought the the script that's written by um, Ben Wheatley's wife, actually Amy Jump, mm. um, I thought was excellent. Like I really like it's it's written in the language of that day, and it's meticulously written as well. I thought it it wasn't overly expositional, but it also wasn't too sort of art wanky either. Um, I, I'm actually. I'm working on a TV show with Michael Smiley at the moment, so I've actually been able to talk to him about it, which is what been did he fun. say? Oh, it's great. I haven't, I haven't, you know, interviewed him and quizzed him about it too much. I've just chatted to him about it between um, rehearsals. But um, yeah, he was saying they really poured over the script, like they, they, they deliberated for a long time over the use of the word envelope that was in the script, and they had to sort of research it, and they found out actually that word probably didn't come into. Um, Use until two years after this is set, so they cut it. You know, and it's yeah. all, all of that stuff. Like it, it's it's a labour of love. They've done. They've poured the time and effort in, which is the stuff you can do for free without the big budgets. You know, I think it is. It's it's a very lovingly made film. I thought and the song in it as well, which Richard Glover sings, "Blue My Boy," has stayed with me as yeah, well. Yeah, it, it's a really really nice moment. I thought it's like um, you know, you just all these you singing this song and they sort of play it over a bit and then, but the, you know I think it's sort of the theme of, of the film really the, yes. you know, the song itself but it's, it's a really sort of nice little moment in the film just him singing it I don't even know if there's any accompaniment or anything but you know it's some sort of a lovely m- moment within it did you think it needed to be shot in black and white because I thought in some ways uh, it was so crisp it looked like Oddly, like a video rather than film at some points. Oh, interesting. So it did, and it threw. For some reason, I've associate black and white f- films with a sort of more grainy look and a more time mm. passing. So when you're watching a film about the Civil War and the images are all so crisp, it felt modern because of my the language of film in my head associates older films with more yes. decayed. You're used to yeah. it, possibly more. 60s or 70s film stock and what that looks like with daylight yes. than this that had a more digital look st- music video look almost mm. I would say the sort of black and white in a field it, music videos is what springs to mind you know because that's probably but I know what you mean it didn't bother me um, but I didn't actually notice it, well I didn't actually mm. notice but it, it, I, I, after about sort of 10 minutes into it I was thinking oh yeah it is, in, it is in black and white you know it's uh, you must have been really hungover then when you watched it. Yeah, also, I've got a really old television. <laughs> You've got black and white television, haven't you? Yeah, uh, yeah Snooker's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like the cast. I thought we were great, but oh, what was my point? It's interesting casting comedians, isn't it? I think Michael Smiley has a new lease of life. He's yeah. loads of stuff. Well, he's been doing... 
you know, really good stuff recently. He's in Luther as well as a detective. He's in Luther, he was in Utopia, he's in Black Mirror, he was in Ripper Street. And he's also in this film about uh, these soldiers, this team of mercenaries that go into a, a Nazi bunker to uh, retrieve a weapon that can bring back the dead. Not the bombing man. No, I think it's called The Bunker. And, uh, <laughs> or something like that. But I try and mention that every week. Yeah, yeah. Marek's ongoing franchise, Bombing Man. The Bombing Man. I thought... Oh, it didn't have a the before, but maybe oh, yeah. this is a rebrand, a title decision. I like the way he's a question mark at the end. Bombing Man? No, the way he said then. The Bombing Man. <laughs> that adds... Adding a question mark to the end of a film title, just instant intrigue. Bombing Man 2? No, no... It's I, I thought recently I watched a trailer for Riddick. Okay, the third uh, Riddick, um, the uh, third film in the uh, Pitch Black. Uh, uh, Dench. But they're trying to they're trying to start the franchise over because Chron- uh, Pitch Black was really kind of cool and low budget sci-fi. Mm. Chronicles of Riddick was incredibly expensive crap, so they're trying to start it again. But I noticed it's an increasing trend in movie trailers. I think is if you want to make your trailer seem mysterious. And to give your audience the idea, uh, the feeling of, what is going on here? Then just have a character scream at the top of their lungs, what is going on? (laughs) This is madness! Just like, like have some loud, shadowy things happening, and then have someone go, what is going on? Um, Speaking of very effective. I saw, I think, one of the best trailers. Did you ever see the original trailer for 28 Days Later? They don't really show any of the film in it whatsoever, it's just sort of day one. Exposure. Oh yeah, Day yeah. Three. I think Very so. Good. Yeah. Less is more. Less You're is right. more. Especially mm. when it comes to hair. <laughs> That's right. Bring it back full circle. Now, in terms of this film, the feel of this film, I'm I be- feel like you're holding back on saying you don't like. I it. don't like it. Okay. I don't like it. I, I I really like the feel. I I I saw Kill This first. Yep. I, was, I thought it was really shocking. Yes. And. Uh, disturbing but brilliant and then I saw Down Terrace which I thought was that's my favourite that one I, think. I thought was a, another amazing yeah. film absolutely fantastic and then Sightseer is obviously what he worked uh, it was a different feel to the film this it feels and I think it's been influenced by like, The Wicker Man and um, oh, what's the one that, that with uh, the Faking and Witches the the uh, the Witch Hunter, Witch Hunter, General. Witch Hunter, uh, oh. Matthew Vincent Price, the yes. Witch Finder General. Yes, it's got that feel to it. He's you know, mentioned that, that in interviews just okay. because, yeah. because I mean, because of the similar subject matter and the look and things. You know, he said it's ine- inevitable, really. But um, he was saying actually, probably the most influential film on his palette and tastes and aesthetic is Threads, which we've talked about oh, really? quite a bit. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's you the know, most disturbing thing I've ever seen. I think, yeah, Threads, it's, the bleakness of it. And, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's very interesting. I mean, I think he's a lot like Nicholas Rogue as well in sort of his palette of stuff. Mm. But why didn't you like it? Because I thought it was a mess. And I thought, it for me, it looked too modern. And I thought they had a rough script. But I don't like films that are so ambiguous. They It almost seems that there's a lack of a coherent thread in it. And I thought it was just, it's just weird... I didn't understand why the characters who are essentially a group of deserters, four deserters, who have deserted, they're obviously loners, they run away from battle, yes. yet they're bonded together. For for what reason, I don't know. I don't think there's enough reasoning for why they were sticking together. 
I just didn't like. I thought Michael Smiley was great in it when he came on. I just thought it was quite boring and it was overlong in in bits. And I thought it was it wasn't a strong enough story to sustain the film. And I appreciate what he was trying to do. I think it was an experiment that was interesting. And I think it's cool to like this film. But I just didn't think it was particularly good. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was plenty to get out of it. I don't think it's a perfect movie. No, I think I think there's. I, I would say, and I don't want to make you know every film follow the same structure, but I yeah. felt this one felt a bit unbalanced. Like the end was rushed and the middle was flabby. But I actually really enjoyed the script. I really enjoyed the performances. I thought they were different. I thought Richard Glover specifically was really He's good. Great, yeah. He's really good, and I hope he gets lots more work out of it rather than just those um, those Specsavers adverts. He's very um, good in those. He's excellent. In I've bought so many glasses. I know, just off the back glasses. of his his pratfall alone. Um, yeah. But. Um, no, he was excellent. I thought the the soundtrack I thought was excellent as well. That's yeah. been released on uh, white vinyl as well. Mm. You know, they've just kind of done the whole okay. thing, yeah. But it's no, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I actually enjoyed the uh, excitement around the hype around it as well. If it didn't live up to that hype, that's absolutely fair enough for you. But I thought the idea of releasing it across all media so that if you can't afford to go to the cinema today, you you're not left out. I thought was, but if you want to go and see it with the big speakers and on the big screen, you can do that also. I thought I think it's a way to go, especially for films that are never going to compete with the Monsters University or the you know the Fast and the Furious sixes or whatever. Mm. You know they're never going to compete with those opening weekends, so why should they have to do the same thing? No. I think Film Ford did a brilliant job, and if you go to the website and if you're interested in any aspect of the film, they've got extensive videos. They've even got a list of. Um, what things mean, like what depth of field means, yeah. what sort of all the filmic terms. So it's a great way in for people to think to learn about the filming experience. I thought it's fascinating the back the backing of this and the whole sort of not just the film itself, but the process of what of what film provides. The development as well, because they really they developed this virtually from scratch, didn't they? Film for because I was reading a bit about that, and it was, it was like a special scheme that they'd set up. Yeah, I mean, obviously Ben Wheatley's quite well known and established as a director, but you know the the, the building up of it all and stuff, and it was you know they shot it in twelve days, which is incredible, amazing, that's so incredible, yeah. And I I love an imaginatively written bottle episode which is exactly what this is it's all one location for you know for all we know for from just creative use of camera angles it could all have been within a 20 square yard area it was yeah you know pretty much was yeah they and they're also making of it they filmed it in one but the same space yeah yeah it's interesting because it's all shot in that in that field and stuff but you know they're just using one location i think it is quite diverse what they do you know the shots they use within it and stuff like when the wind's blowing through the corn it's and beautiful stuff and, they, and also the sort of framing of the trees around the actual field itself and it just shows how you can get so much out of so little yes um, I mean the director of photography that was really great excellent um, but it was uh, excellent but I do I mean I think with Ben Wheatley films um, I just I think he's got such an original voice and there's so so much to all his films that when, you, when I watch it I just felt like I've not seen anything particularly like this before and even though, yeah, this film was perhaps slightly imbalanced in parts, but it was worth it just for some of the fantastic bits in it, which actually yeah. make you sort of think, wow. Like, you know, like the bit of him coming out of the tent or, you know, certain other aspects of it. But I would watch it again. Um, as I say, I don't think it's a perfect film, but I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's hard to believe that it's uh, the same director who directed me some years ago in a TV show um, where 
I was playing Wii Tennis with a girl in a sketch and um, uh, I then I'm turned on by the girl so I go upstairs and then she sees my Wii character having a wank on the screen and uh, I, I turn to Ben uh, Wheatley who was directing this and I said Ben why why have I gone for a wank upstairs when we've shot two other sketches with these characters where we're boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> and he just said to me Dave it doesn't matter <laughs> that was filmed it's that eye for well, detail it's that eye for detail that was half a million yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly um, well yeah um, someone wrote on our Facebook page I can't, sorry, I can't remember saying uh, about the release and is, is this the way forward the way of doing a, a, a simultaneous I think for small films absolutely absolutely do this because it means that everyone can be talking about it at the same time whether they have time or money to go to the cinema mm. or what the, however they want to watch it they can watch it it won't harm cinema to do that with the, this kind of film it was odd experience because I put uh, Twitter on while I was watching it and there was quite a lot of response. Yeah. There, there was someone uh, on The Guardian doing actual uh, a blog with the film as it was playing. And I thought that's actually quite annoying. I, I quite like the personal element of watching a film. Yes. Where you've got your own experience and you talk about that afterwards. You don't so have what, to look at Twitter throughout what... I know, but I, I was interested in what was happening... Okay. With at the same, I just I didn't look at it lots. I but. think it's nice to have if you want that sort of connectedness with other people. That this is the moment it'll happen is this time on this evening. That's event. That's an event cinema. But for films that can't afford the massive publicity campaign to tell everyone about mm. it, then it will be happening nonetheless if it's all released across all. People were talking about the film, yeah, as it was happening. Which never really. Doesn't well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't participate in that. Yeah. But the you know, but there would be people who were doing that. You know, not in the cinemas necessarily. But I like doing it when it's sport. I don't know about films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just invades your enjoyment of it, really, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. that does. I mean, I don't like people talking during films, mm. uh, even if they're enjoying themselves. You know, yeah. I don't like people up. talking during podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, that is a field in England. Um, track it down across all media if you're interested. Or if you've seen it already, why not write a one-minute review for us? That'd be super. Our new feature where you can record your own reviews in 60 seconds or, or slightly less, but bang on 60 seconds preferably and we'll play them on the podcast. And how do they contact us? You can email us. Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. You can write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. You can tweet us at filmfandango. And brand new this week, we have a brand new website, filmfandango.co.uk. It's only small, but it's perfectly formed as so far. Uh, if ever you can't remember any of these details, go to filmfandango.co.uk. Every way to contact us is on there. Um, you can also download the latest episodes from there, read our Twitter feed, and also, more importantly, brand new, uh, there is you can donate I towards want... the running costs of this podcast because it is entirely free and uh, it's uh, we are bankrupt. I what? want to give money. I want to give money. I want so people can watch films. Yeah. I'm what? being someone. Oh right, you're you're acting. Yeah. I would like to give you all of my spare money so you can talk about films so I can listen to it. 
if you've if you've enjoyed the podcast, then you know why not give a little towards its running costs. You don't have to, but it'd be nice if you did. What's you the can... uh, biggest donation that you've received uh, so far? It's no pounds because oh. this is the first week we've told people about. Oh, it. Well, how much are you going to donate? Whatever I can. You know, Four pounds. Well, well, I get my running costs for the week out of the way, like the food shop and uh, you know travel expenses and what, whatever was left over there. In the bank that. account. That's that's fair. I mean, also have to, I have to pay three pound forty nine to rent the film off um, off uh, the Film Falls website. But what about ten percent of your annual income? <laughs> We're talking quite a lot. But it depends what you're doing. That's about ten million pounds. Wow, big shot. Big well, shot over here. I'd, I'd but you are, you are a hitman in your uh, spare time, aren't you? It's it's a living. Yeah, it's a living. What film is the most accurate portrayal of a hitman as a as a professional murderer? What film do you think is the best? Is it Day of the Jackal or Leon or Gross uh, Point Blank? Is it mostly about going back to your hometown? Well, they've got to do it at some point. <laughs> That's true. Christmas, <laughs> christenings, <laughs> uh, to rekindle your love with Mini Driver. Yeah, voting, if you're still in that electoral borough. Out of all the hitmen, I think you're probably most like the one from Dirty Harry. Ooh, interesting. Wasn't he a transvestite? Yeah, no, I think he's a bit funny, yeah, he's a bit mental. I think you're a bit like Mr Shush from Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. I haven't seen that. So sort of but... silent and deadly, played oh. by Steve Buscemi. Oh, but quite, looking I, quite handsome, though. I quite like the work of Steve uh, Buscemi. Buscemi... I think you're a bit like um, the leading showgirls. Okay, <laughs> uh, hang <laughs> on a minute. Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, um, have we had any letters, Marek? Yeah, there's one just there. We've got a letter here. This is from Will Bamber, and Will Bamber, um, who speaks in the finest Queen's English, has said, "Dear Film Fandango, I'm a huge fan of your podcast." But please, could I suggest a slight tweak to your movie of the week format? Unfortunately, I'm currently low on funds and cannot afford a subscription to insert film streaming stroke rental service here. Hence, I'm downloading your free podcast for my entertainment needs. So might I propose your movie review for next week be chosen from one that's due to air on Freeview, which includes the likes of Film 4, ITV2, BBC3... I'm not saying there will be anything worth watching, but at least I could then join in your fun. We'll consider that, um, Will Bamber. We're going to watch the Andromeda Strain next week. So. Yeah. Uh, is that available on these things? It's no. on Netflix. No. Like After it. that, maybe we'll have a think. This this week's film was. Yes, that's true. <laughs> also, I have a potential challenge for you guys. I would like you to cast a live-action The Simpsons movie. I'm personally more interested in the peripheral characters like Comic Book Guy, Mo the Bartender, Willie the Groundskeeper, Mr Burns, Patty and Selma, etc., etc. Would love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work, Will, from Cambridgeshire. We've actually cast The Simpsons before, which was, I believe, um, I had nothing to do with it. It was Cher as Marge, wasn't it? You won, mostly. You got Ben Kingsley as Homer. <laughs> terrible, terrible Homer. Cher as Marge and Peter Dinklage as Bart Simpson. So we're going to take your challenge up, Will Bamber. Thank you for that. And we are going to cast some of the peripheral characters. Namely, Ned Flanders, Mo the Bartender, and the villainous Mr Burns. Who's going to judge this competition? Um, I suggest our guest, Dave McNeil. Oh, that'd be actually honoured, guys. Roy McNeil. 
Do I have to have seen The Simpsons to be able to do this accurately? Oh, yes. Have you seen The Simpsons? Yeah, yes, I have. Don't Good. worry. Oh, I have seen it for a few seconds. Yeah, no. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Marek, do you want to go first? Um, Who's we, yeah, don't mind. Who are we going to pick first? Ned Flanders. Now, I have a suspicion we'll have picked the same person. I don't think we would have done Because one actor jumps out at me. I think you might... Uh, I can think of the one you might, might have picked, but I've gone outside the box. <laughs> oh, you've not gone for Dusty Bin, have you? No, I've gone for... Who else could play that sort of... Per- I'm th- I was thinking of the jumpers, mainly. <laughs> Bill Cosby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you knew yeah. from the jumpers. The jumpers. Bill Cosby. Yeah, so you just think, do you know what? We don't even have to... He's going to bring those hang jumpers. Hang on, hang on. Dr. Hibbert is clearly based on yeah, Bill yeah, Cosby. Yeah. But you've cast Bill Cosby as Ned Flanders. Because of the jumpers. <laughs> okay. But you put... It's Bill Cosby with a moustache. Okay. And glasses. And I think it'd be really good. <laughs> okay, well... Interesting. I, I'm not dead against your. Pick. You know, in the Cosby Show, he's always quite moralistic, isn't he? And he's quite almost pseudo. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a jolly doctor. Yeah, who's always laughing at things and no, uh, forget about and has a. I may have forgot about Doctor Hibbert. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I've gone for. Yes, William H Macy. Correct, because I saw him recently in a film called Cellular which I was not expecting to enjoy, but really, really did. Um, uh, it's uh, Chris Evans. No, not that one. Um, who uh, And Kim Basinger, who is kidnapped by uh, Jason Statham, and she only she, uh, he smashes her phone, and she's only ab- uh, able to call out one random number and ends up accidentally calling Chris Evans. And so he has to stay on the line and try and rescue her. And William H. Macy plays a cop who's one day away from retirement. Oh. Uh, but he's got, he, he's got the tash, he's a nice guy, he sort of can do no wrong, but he's, he's got that sort of oakley-doakley nervous energy, I think. Okay. I think William H. Macy's a good a Why good is it that... Bad things always happen on the last day of retirement to police officers. I mean, Never the... announce your retirement. Just tell them yesterday was your last day and just that's it. I mean, you just want that day to sort of tie up loose ends, really, didn't you? You'd be, you'd be a bit cruel sending someone out on the case, wouldn't you? you go, do you know what? Oh, no, no, no. He, he can't let the case go. It, everyone else is willing to just let it slide and he's like, no, I should look into that because I'm a good cop. I've been on the job for 27 years. He's, he's a good guy. It's good that he keeps up that sort of code of ethics right to the end. Yeah, yeah, you know. totally. Cellular, I think yeah. for, it's a good Sunday afternoon film. I totally enjoyed it. Apart from the credit sequence, it's laughable. Um, okay, Ned Flanders. I've got to say, David wins that one hands down. Yes. Oh, but I, I, I appreciate Marek's, you know, the imagination that we've Well, you see, if we'd gone with Marek, it would leave who would play Dr. Hibbert. He might be able to hear Buddy drinking water in the background. Buddy's not left the podcast, just Danielle. He's still around. Um, okay, you win. Okay, uh, next I'll go first on our mow the bartenders. I went around the the houses this one really, just thinking of the uh, the ugliest uh, actors I could. We know that Rich Hall is actually the inspiration for Mo the bartender because he's friends with the guy who wrote the character. Um, but he, I don't think he's been in movies, so I think it would be. Mm. Uh, along the the Marrick rule, uh, this would yes, be an unfa- uh, unfair based on choice. Rich Hall. If you don't know Richard, he's a sort of uh, American comedian, and he's he looks exactly like. He works player. mostly in Britain, though I think. Yeah. But um, I've gone for someone whose voice I think is similar and has a sort of he would be repulsive to women very very well. I've gone for Gilbert Godfrey, who, if you don't know him, 
is uh, he's in the uh, Problem Child movies, but he is also Iago the Parrot in Aladdin. He's Gilbert Godfrey, and he talks like that. I think I know he is, yeah. He's always unbelievable. Is he in anything else? Just so if anyone listening hadn't seen those two films, they might know who he is. He's in the film The Aristocrats, which is a documentary about a joke. Uh, He's also famously (laughs) um, got into a lot of trouble for tweeting jokes about the Japanese tsunami. Um, Uh, You can look him up on YouTube. But he talks like that. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Marek, what have you gone for? I've gone with someone who's mentioned in this podcast already. It's often happened. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. I, he was my first choice, and I went away from him. I'm a, and I'm judging. Can I just throw one in as a sort of a wild card? Okay. Yeah. Go on, then. Paul McShane. What, the actor who's recently died? Yeah, not not because of that, but, you know, you know from Heidi High. Yeah, but you're not, you're not playing that you're judging the game. I know, I said it was like a wild card. I don't even think it's a good <laughs> suggestion. Oh, come on. All right, okay. Uh, I'll say Marek wins that one. That's that's uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, you should have showed me that Let before me I said that. He, I've won it now. But, but I just, oh, he would be good. Even though I've now seen the picture, I do still go with Marek's one. Okay. okay. Thanks, guys. Thank one you. All. One all. One all. It all comes down to the Mr. Burns. Really hard one, Mr. Burns, I thought. Really hard, like th- to have that villainous high status and yet sort of the pointy features and the old face. It's um, tricky. not very good. Gone. I've just gone for evil. Who? Charles Dance. I've gone for Charles Dance as well. No way. I have a second choice though. I'm willing to give. You said it first. I'm willing to go with my second. Just to say, you're both having the same one. I think you should go for your second one. Okay. Um, he's. Proven track record in Evil. He's one of my favourite character uh, actors. He's he got the age of it. Max von Sydow. That's mm, a good that's one. Very interesting. I mean, he could actually really bring something extra to it. I think. Mm. Can, I, can I go for ex Labour MP Gerald Kaufman? <laughs> <laughs> How about Sven Goran Eriksson? Oh, great! Yeah, it would uh, be good. He'll be in a film though. He maybe has been in a film. I've got uh, I've got to go with David again because I think I, I genuinely would be excited. Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow's into. I haven't picked one yet. You said Charles Dance. But you said Charles Dance as well. No, but I then conceded you could have him, and I'll go to my second choice. Bloody fixed. Well, you could have had that option. <laughs> I get a you chose choice. Charles Dance. He you would be chose good. Charles Dance. Yeah, I know. You made you made your bed. Now you got to lie in it with well, Charles Dance. David wins two one. Um, so what what did we pick in the end? William H Macy. Um, Max von Sydow and Steve Buscemi. They're good choices, you know. Yeah. That's what happens, isn't it? If you write great, powerful characters, you can they just work across any sort of um, they do yeah. live or cartoon. Well, or... we should play this game again until we've got every character the Simpsons have ever done. Thank God for the Simpsons for saving this podcast. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. you done Marge Simpson? Uh, you know the actress in uh, Meet the Parents that's Robert De Niro's Listen. wife. Yeah, is is that the woman that does the voice of Marge Simpson? Oh, I don't know. Well, you picked Cher before for Marge Simpson. If you actually listen to this podcast, rather than just thinking, oh, I'm going to rock up and appear, and not actually listen to it. Have you ever listened to this podcast? Yes. Marek always gets what cross happens, after he loses. Um, you judge people with animals, don't you? No. <laughs> no? No. What's it about? About films. Oh, what, what happens normally? What are the regular features in this podcast? Um, I've always got like, the dancing competition. Well, yeah. you just think you can rock up and just do a podcast and even, not even listen to it? Uh, pull the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the challenge. Um... That's it. And that's the end of the podcast. Now, we've not thought it through ending on the challenge because you're always a bit grumpy. Yeah, I'm across now, yeah. Even if you win, you're a bit grumpy. 
But it's like Schadenfreude, though, isn't it? People might enjoy it more by knowing that I'm really annoyed. Oh, cheer up. For a whole week. Cheer up, for mate. a whole week. It's true. Mm. He'll refuse to leave my flat as well until next week. <laughs> but if you win, what's your mood like then? I don't know, because I, uh, oh, I can't remember. Yet. I have won a couple of times. What would you? What do you think? It, it's gloaty. Yeah. His mood gets gloaty. It's all like yeah. a sexual euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> a sexual euphoria? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mm. well on that bombshell uh, to quote uh, someone um, yes we'll be back next week we're going to watch the Andromeda Strain uh, 70s sci-fi classic so we've not seen it but um, yeah why not watch that and tell us what you think Um, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the issues raised on the programme then why not email us dearfilmfandango at gmail.com and check out our brand new website filmfandango.co.uk we'll be back next week with more films keep watching the films bye hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.